Hi, uh, welcome to the Xbox World podcast. Uh, we're going to uh, talk to you about Xbox stuff, surprisingly, today, but also a lot of other bits and bobs. We've got lots to get through today. It's bright and it's sunny. It's Monday morning, but you'll be listening to this on a Friday. Um, and we're going to introduce ourselves first. I'm Tim, the editor. Uh, I'm Matthew, staff writer. I'm Matt. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm of all of the mistakes we've had in the podcast, which I have to sneak edit, that's perhaps the best and one that I'm not cutting out. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a little story. Well, the story is, if, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I could have been named Matthew if I was born on a different day of the week. But as it is, I'm, I'm Michael Gapper. And I'm um, very confused this morning. <laughs> yeah. It is Monday morning. It is Monday morning, Mike. That's, that's I, just, uh, and I did oversleep. I had a lion bar for breakfast. Yeah, that's pretty good breakfast, actually. That's it, a breakfast of champions. It is a breakfast of champions. It does have... Everything a boy could need from his, a uh, growing boy could need from his uh, breakfast. Got some chocolate. It's got, got chocolate. some lion in there. Got some lion, got yeah. some chocolate, got some oats. Got some bar. Got some bar. Yeah, it's got lots in there. Got everything, got all you need. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, we might as well begin. There's only one place to begin this week, and that's uh, with some of the controversy that's uh, that's kicked up over... Um, uh, we, we're not going to go over and over and over Resident Evil 5, because we t- talked a lot about it last week. But I think it's worth touching on some of the controversy that's come up with... Um, some people may be questioning Matt's uh, co- the time Matt completed the game in, suggesting that A, uh, he may have sped run it, uh, B, he may be completely lying, uh, uh, C, yeah, uh, C, a combination of the both. So Matt, your yes. time to answer. Well, I think, I think uh, the magazine owes all the listeners a huge apology for giving Resident Evil 5 to someone who's a big fan of Resident Evil, who has played every Resident Evil, and who knows how to play Resident Evil. I mean, it's, it was a catastrophic, uh, catastrophic error, I think, on your part, Tim, to uh, give the game to someone who knows how to play it. And to give um, Resident Evil 5 to the guy who's been covering Resident Evil 5 since it was announced. I think it's stupid. I think we should have given it to some schmo off the streets who's never picked up a controller. Hey, that's what Famitsu do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I, think, I think we have to definitely apologise to everyone because um, we, we know how to play the game. And, you know, we, we weren't asking them out for 25 hours, looking at our feet, trying to invert the controls and not understanding how to. Let's, let's just make one thing clear here. Okay, Matt is probably one of the world's foremost resi experts, all right? Whenever we gave anyone, anyone anything to do on the magazine about resi, it was Matt straight away, because Matt has got an encyclopedic knowledge of the... And he's literally got an encyclopedia. Yeah, and on he's, his got, desk. he's got the resi encyclopedia some, as well. Some collector's edition limited to 800 copies or some, yeah. something, encyclopedia of everything Resident Evil, he's which got, he goes to he's, he's like got, it's the Bible. Yeah, he's got resi, he's got resi uh, figurines on his desk. This is the man to go for, go to when... Um, You're making him sound a bit sad now. Yeah, well, he is sad. He's sad and lonely. Yeah, he is sad and lonely. I'm not going to argue with He that. lives in Trowbridge. Um, so... Yeah, we gave it to the guy who is best qualified, one of the best qualified reviewers in the UK to review it, okay? So that's number one. Secondly, is that there's no way that, that you can say that we, you did a speedrun on that game. If, if people you've never see, played it before. Wait, wait, How one you speedrun something you've never played before? We're talking for a second as if everybody knows what's going on. Basically, a lot of people on the internet have been saying, oh, you know, it's so, you, you guys completely, you say you completed it in seven hours. No, you didn't. You must have played three-level build of the game because... Um, uh, there's most uh, most critics have been saying that they've been doing it in like 14, 16 hours and so on. Game Informer and so on in America said so. A couple of other magazines have said it's so, you know it's a 14 hour game. Fact is, Matt burned through it in seven and did it without rushing it. Yeah. If people spend 10, 11 hours in that game, that's perfectly understandable. You could, if if you really want to be meticulous about it, you can go through 
trying to find all the tokens, all the gems and stuff, you could spend 11 hours in that world. If you spend in 20, 25 hours, which some people have been quoted as to spending, what the frig are you doing in that time? I do not understand. Like, as a reviewer, I, f I don't know if uh, you guys feel the same, but I think it's so easy to overestimate the time spent on a game. Mate, back when uh, Gears, the first Gears of War came out, which I guarantee you, every person who's listening to this podcast has played and has probably finished in six hours, we were all told it's a 12-hour game. Mark Rain, one of the guys from Epic, came out and said it's a 12-hour game. Every critic, every review said well, this is a 12-hour game. I finished it in six hours on my first guy. I could go through it in three hours right now. I mean, it's so easy to overestimate. Like, if we... Um we work nine to five or half nine to half five. It depends on who it is. Um, if if you spend most of the day in the office uh, on the game, on on a game playing a game, like as as a throwaway remark, you might say, "Oh, I've just spent eight hours on that game." You know, not even really thinking about it. The amount of times I've I've played games like this the past few months and actually written down the time I started, the time I finished. That's more like five hours in a day because you know you need to take breaks, mm. um, you know, chat with PR, send a few emails. So, bang, there's three hours straight there that you've given the game credit for that just didn't exist. And with Resi 5, it actually gives you the time. At the end, when you finish it, it gives you your total time. So there'd be no mistake in how, how long you spent in, spent in the game. So, um, I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I guess we are trying to, trying to, we're trying to clarify a few things here because we haven't, we haven't really had a chance to. So that's one thing. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think the last thing we should say is that you know, we want we wanted uh, Resi to last twenty five hours. We wanted Resi Five to be the best game on the three sixty. You know, I mean, Matt is the the biggest Resi fan around. I mean, no one wanted the game to be more brilliant than than he did. And I guess maybe you know, no, no none of it. You know, maybe you. I guess it's fair to say, Matt, you felt probably felt it more keenly the fact that it's mm. not quite up to scratch. I think I was most disappointed yeah. out of all of them because you know because you are such a big so a big fan of the series. And ultimately, the test will be when people get it in their hands, which is in a couple of weeks, and then we'll see what, 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 how the land lies. We'll see whether you really are an amazing, such an amazing gamer that you completed it in seven hours. But what I rather suspect is that there are gamers out there who are equally as good as you, if not better, who will complete it in less time than seven hours. Well, seven hours, 40, plus obviously the 80 minutes for cutscenes, which we made very clear. You know, we didn't um, time the cutscenes as part, part of that, that run. Um, if, if people want a speed run, then uh, I'll bang through it again quite quickly i need to redo one chapter which is currently sitting about 50 minutes i know i can do it in about 15 but my at the moment my total time on normal is like two hours 45 and that's, another, that's, actually, that's actually speed running with another half hour to come off that when mm. i redo that chapter on easy i think because there are a few on rails bits which can be done quicker I'm looking at trying to bait two hours. And I the crazy thing is, you got the the this like you know the, the internet backlash is the usual internet backlash, which is people who haven't read the review, mm. people who haven't paid attention to the you know the, the context it was placed in, people who don't know the magazine, sitting here and don't know the reviewers sitting here saying, "Is this long?" And you're thinking, well. Yeah, Matt did mention that it was a seven-hour game, but he mentioned that in the context of a three-thousand-word review, and it was one sentence. It was so. Well, it so was, what's everyone obsessing? It, it was the second paragraph of a ten-page review, and like, I mean, when we when we you know we really care about the scores that we we give games. I didn't mark the game down because it was short. No, I, in fact, I went not. to great pains to explain how like something like Dead Space, which is ever slightly longer, not by a huge amount, but slightly longer. Um, 
when you finish Dead Space, that's it. There's nothing to return to that game to, really, apart from impossible mode. With Resi 5, there's loads and loads of reasons to go back to it. My total game time is like 30 hours right now. And that, was, that was purely, the seven and a half thing was purely the first completion of the story. And, and the, ultimate, the ultimate thing, really, is that, I mean, COD 4, one of the best games on the 360. I was going to say, well, look at that whole year. It's, what, Halo, five hours? If that. Halo, uh, Halo 3... I finished that on my first playthrough in under seven hours. I mean, we had we had two days to play it, and I finished it by mid-afternoon on the morning I started playing. Mm. Uh, same year, COD 4, easily one of the best games on the 360. And that was probably six hours on your first playthrough. You probably do it in four after that, no trouble. The, and Gears of War, another great game. Gears of War 2, probably in, certainly in pacing, not quite as good as the original because they've, they've, they've padded it out a little bit too much. Even then, it's only like a, an eight-hour game. These these are these aren't long games. You can't expect on this current generation of consoles games to be a hundred hours long if they're linear experiences. Experiences something like GTA. You know you can build the world, set a bunch of missions in there, and you can spend a lot of time there. Mm. Oblivion. You can spend a lot of time there because they build the world and they set missions in it. If it's a linear experience where you're only going to see everything once, you can't expect with the level of graphical fidelity we we got now, and you have to produce custom sound effects for every single thing in the game. Her level design is as good as it is now. You can't expect a game to be 16 hours long every time. Bioshock, I think, clocks in at about 14 hours, which makes it a very, very rare case this generation. Mm. Not every game can be a Bioshock. Resident Evil 4 was produced on the last generation of consoles, and look how many years that took to make, to make a game which on your first playthrough would take about 18 to 20 hours, mm. and on your second, closer to 9 hours. Well, as you said, I think in a few weeks' time, well, yeah. about a week's time after we've uh, after this yeah, podcast yeah. has gone up, a lot of our readers are going to be picking up the game, and we'll a lot of the old Doubting Thomases are going to be picking up the game as well. We'll see what people think. Our readers will be going in well prepared, and they won't be disappointed. Anyone mm. who's, dis- who's been vehemently disagreeing with us from day one, well, they're in for I mean, a, that game a rude awakening. There's no real difference to, say, the first Resident Evil. That wasn't long. I mean, you could blaze through the first Resident Evil in under three hours to get rocket launchers. You know, I, mean, I think it's just, I think it's what Mike says. I think um, we're the same. You know, we, we would, I guess we were a bit disappointed about the, the, the amount of time that it lasted, but not so, I mean, like you say, not so sort of hung up on it that it became, if it had been seven hours of, ama- of, of pure amazement, then it's not a problem, is it, really? No, you portal's feel like two hours. Of yeah, like amazing. you're getting your, your money's worth, so. If I had to bang together a top ten of games from the uh, previous generation, right near the top of the list along with guys, the games like Resident Evil 4 and Halo would be Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. First time I played it, I finished it in four hours. The second time I played it, I finished it in two. Mm. And I played it and played it over and over and over again. And hopefully that's what people who enjoy Resident Evil 5 will do with that. And they'll get more and get their money's worth because yeah. of it. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, what else have you guys been playing this week? I've been playing a bit of Monopoly last night. Oh, yeah? Got my 90,000th achievement. <sighs> well, sorry, my 90,000 gamer score. Oh, you, Not you, my, broke, you broke yeah, the 90,000 yeah, mark. I broke 90k. What a geek. And Monopoly did it for me. Thank you, EA. <laughs> of course, we've got Trivial Pursuit coming up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We'll do some of that in the office. i never played it before. Putting these games on disc is just madness. What? You've never played Trivial Pursuit no, before? No. What, the board game? Never played I it. I had to explain Trivial Pursuit to Matt the other That's day. That's hot on the hills of Matt's revelation on Friday that he's never eaten lamb before. I hadn't. It was the first time. Never eaten lamb before What's so in your hard entire to believe life. about that? Why is it so hard? Never eaten lamb They're ubiquitous. Before. There's sheep everywhere. Yeah. Never, t- never just seen one be like, I fancy I'd take a bite out of that. <laughs> never have, Mike. So what did you think of your first... Because uh, just to fill, uh, fill readers in, uh, we, we went out for a team meal on a fr- Friday lunchtime. Although time. we were missing one team member. Although, yeah, John, uh, John had a, the electrician round or something. John the betrayer. But, um, but yeah, we went out for a team meal and uh, we went to a place that does pie. 
and uh, we had a a pie day. Matt thought it was pie as in three point one four, but uh, but fortunately it wasn't. It was a proper meat pie day. Uh, and anyway, they had lamb and beef and all that sort of stuff. And and I said, I think I might have a lamb pie. And of course, Matt, as he as he does, copied exactly what I was going to have. <laughs> I don't copy uh, you because he because he admires and loves me so much. And uh, and so he he ordered a lamb pie. And then shortly afterwards, made the revelation that he, it was the, be the first time in his entire life that he'd ever had lamb before. Crazy. And then you brought on a guilt trip by doing impressions of lambs <laughs> while he was eating. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat that my leg. You're eating my face. That was so off-putting as well. Yeah, poor little lambs, eh? Poor lambs, eh? So, yeah, anyway, so you've been, yeah, Trivial Pursuit, so that'll be your first time you played that. Yeah. But, um, we've got a bit more exciting stuff coming into the office but this uh, in the next couple of weeks because we literally have just started a new issue, so we're busy phoning around, finding what's about. But I think it's fair to say that it's a fairly quiet time at the moment. I mean, mm. there's there's a few kind of... It's not that there's no games. There are games, but I can't say that any no of them ones. are particularly exciting. No. Um, and the issue we've just sent to sent to bed last week, we we've got Fifty Cent and uh, uh, what else did we review? Um, uh, Sega Mega Drive. Sega Mega Drive. Shell Shock, Shell Shock which 2. we warned people about last podcast. Yeah. Um, um, some other yeah shout, stuff that's like the, the fact that we can't even remember it suggests that it's not uh, particularly memorable, but. And yeah, I mean, the release schedule is, it's not empty, but it's not, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the majority of the really, really big games that we're looking forward to are coming coming in the second half of the year. There's a few few ones coming out um, before then. I mean, Prototype is a, a game we, we got to look at last month and uh, forms a big part of the next issue. And... Um, after some, uh, well, the first time we saw it, I mean, we were one of the first mags in the world to see it um, yeah, a couple of year and a half ago in America, and we were very impressed by what we saw then. And then we saw, I think, Mike, you saw it last year at Leipzig, and it looked slightly ropey. Um, but the sort of, in, you know, the time in between then and now has, I think, given Radical some time to reassess and improve the game. And the guy who went to see it for us this month was really, really impressed by what he's seen. I, I, don't, I, I didn't see it at Leipzig. I'm just oh, right. racking my memory so I didn't even think it was at Leipzig. Maybe it was Robert GDC. Or sorry. Um, E3, E3 possibly. I think yeah. that was during a time when everyone, so when people saw the game and everyone sort of we were like, hold, you know, hold your horses on this one. Yeah. I think it just, just before they brought so it down to the office and I saw it, I was like, mm, mm. maybe not. But I think it'll be one of those games that, that's gone um, the other way. that won't... It won't be on everybody's radar, but I think people are intrigued about it. And I think that um, it's very much, uh, judging by the latest code we've seen, I think it's very much, for anyone who sort of enjoyed Crackdown or something like that. The thing is, Crackdown was on nobody's radar. Yeah. The only reason the Crackdown popped up on anyone's radar was because they bundled the Halo 3. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody really, I mean, it was just such a small, such a low-level game made by, you know, basically a brand new studio. Mm. I mean, it had the studio, the people working for it had a strong pedigree, but... Really, nobody had any high hopes for Crackdown. It was such a such a great surprise, such a yeah. nice surprise. I think prototypes are a lot like that. I mean, they've added in some. I mean, graphically, I think it's come on quite a lot in the last six months. Um, but they've added in some sort of extra abilities for them. I mean, it is what literally one of the most violent games you'll ever play in your entire life. Um, but there's a lot of like um, they've built on a lot of sort of like combo systems and point scoring and all that sort of stuff, which I think will give it a lot of replay value. And I think you know it's very much a kind of like. Whether the, whether the city is going to be kind of as impressive as Liberty City, who knows? Whether it's going to ha- you know look as good as Assassin's Creed, doubtful. 
but certainly it's a definitely a mix of GTA and Assassin's Creed, and it's certainly got a bit of the Hulk in there as well because you can literally smash every, everything in it. I think it'll just be. I think it'll turn out to be one of those games that that there'll be a slow burner. I think people will pick it up and they'll really get into it, and hopefully it'll be a bit of fun. I'm not saying it'll be the best thing on the system because I I don't think it will be, but I think it'll be one of those games that you just that people really have a lot of lot of fun with you know and you know in the context of of what's out there in the first half of the year prototype could actually be one of the one of the best games in the first six months of this year so we'll see so we've we been playing then me what yeah. do you think i've been playing street fighter 4 oh well, you've been playing empire haven't you yeah i play street oh. fighter 4 constantly i won't bore our listeners with that because i've told words to tell um apart from please 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 Stop playing Ken. Everyone plays Ken. Nobody knows how to play Ken. Listen, if you're playing Ken, you're probably shit with Ken. So play someone else and we'll have some fun. As it is, I'm just smashing Kens. I, I, I haven't lost to anyone playing Ken at all. Not one. I've lost to a, a couple of good Hondas. I've lost to a couple of good Blancas. I've lost to a, good, a few good Bisons, Akumas. Haven't lost to a single Ken because everyone playing Ken sucks with Ken. Play Ryu. Ryu's better than Ken in this game. Play anyone. Play Kami. Play Guile. Play Zangief. He's very good in this game. Just please stop playing Ken. Please, please stop playing Ken. You're all rubbish. <laughs> stop it. Excellent. And I've been playing um, the demo for Total War Empire, and by the time everyone listens to this, I'll be playing Total War Empire, the full game. No doubt watching it load for hours at a time, because good lord, that game's got some loading times on it. If there's one thing I can say about the game, so it's got strong loading times. If there's two things I can say, it's that it's the best game ever. <laughs> um, this it, is a month after you gave Street Fighter 4 95%. Yeah, it's, well, Empire's really, really, really good. <clears throat> Obviously, I've been playing the same thing everyone else will have been able to play if you've got a beefy enough computer at this point, which is, you know, you get two battles, you get a naval battle, and you get a land-based battle, and they're both very scripted battles, so not really indicative of the kind of you know, the kind of battles you'll be entering into in the final game. But the, I mean, the strategy you have to employ has changed so much since Rome, and I'm not going to go on too much about it because this is an Xbox podcast, not a PC one. But it's a really, really, really nice version of everything they've done so far in Total War. Really, the, the changes to the unit types have really, really changed the strategy. I mean, so much of it's based upon, you know, gunpowder and musket these days that when you, when, when you play... There's so much more lethal than anything you had before. There's so much more lethal than arrows and so on. That battles between two forces facing one another can be over very, very quickly. But, you know, I've seen Hornblower. I've seen Sharp. I know, about, I, I know strategies that were used like, you know, to combat you know, uh, muskets and so on. And you can employ the, all of these strategies. You know, and I only, only know them essentially from you know, popular drama. But these, the strategic options open to you are... You know, quite exceptional now. Mm. You've got in the demo they give you a decent selection of units, but not perhaps what what you would be employing in the final game. Certainly not what I would be employing. Not in those numbers. I could have taken on the army you're up against that with much smaller numbers, and obviously you could do that just by holding some of them back. And God, I must have played replayed the demo over and over again just to get a feel for all of the different units and like their strengths and weaknesses and so on. If there's one weakness to the game, it's probably the naval combat. I mean, they had to have it, and I think. It's, it's exactly as naval combat should be within the Total War engine and within the way they do battles, but it's, still, it's not really a great 
a great system for naval combat. I mean, the, the wind doesn't play nearly enough of a, a part in, in your movement. So you can sail straight into the wind and it'll slow you down, but not as much as it, definitely not as much as it should. I mean, it should bring you to a halt. And because of that, the actual positioning of it, essentially all I kept on doing was just trying to cross the T. And I just kept on trying to make sure the sides of my ships were facing the front of theirs just over and over again. And because I could sail straight into the wind, I was able to do that and you know, run, essentially run rings around them, trap them inside a big circle and just blast them to pieces. That's, I think, a problem, something they, they might consider patching at some point because I know the Total War Forums and TotalWarCenter.net have been harping on about that at great length. With the, but, I mean, I don't want the kind of fanatical reality that some of them want, you know, where every single thing is, is precise. I don't, want, I don't want my ship to be downed by one errant cannonball hit landing in you know, my, my magazine or something. But it does. I think in, in, on the, the naval battles needs up the reality just a little bit, because the battlefield stuff when you, you know it's man on man on man combat feels very real. I'm not sure if it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Were you there? I wasn't there. No, I wasn't there. No, you but, back then. but it feels real. You know, it, it, feel, it feels right. And my God, the sound effects in that game were incredible. And it's, it kind of puts into context Halo Wars. Very much so, yeah. Hello, has been getting some crazy scores. Yeah, I think yeah. people. I think we touched on it last week. I think people are are getting carried away. By oh God, definitely. That game is not good. As, as I said, I think it fails on every single level. I think it just absolutely, absolutely, absolutely everything a game can do, it does badly. Do you think it'll be? Um, how do you think it'll, it'll sit with like real Halo fanatics? Oh, I think, okay, maybe I exaggerated when I said it does everything badly because the one thing it does well is the Halo thing. Yeah. It's very much a Halo game. The cutscenes are great. All the units look fantastic. It sounds right. It sounds really good. It looks really, you know, the little, the little guys running around on the battlefield look like little Halo guys. But from an RTS fan viewpoint... Oh, it's... God, there's nothing there for you. If you like RTSs, there's nothing there for you at all. Unless you're, you like the kind of RTSs where you just group up and roll over the enemy. I mean, it does make you feel very powerful. Mm. You group up, you roll over them. You group up, you just roll over them. There's nothing... I mean, you, are, you just feel like a monster in that game. just feel absolutely unstoppable. And even with the AI on the highest level, God, there's still not... If you're like a seasoned RTS player, there's, there's not much there for you. Some of the timed missions are a bit awkward. Uh, they put a clock on you, and on the harder settings, it's like, because you're, you're, you're up against the clock, you, you, t you tend to have to rush a little bit prematurely just to beat the clock. But, God, no, it's, it's, not, it's definitely not a hard game, not if you know your strategy games. And, of course, um, so, so that people don't think we're comparing them, Total War is a very, very different kind of strategy. Yeah, yeah. It's much more comparable to something like Command and Conquer or Age of Empires and so on. And how does it compare to those? Not very well. Yeah. So... Um Moving the moving the subject on a little bit, I mean, we a lot of a lot of stuff in the news at the moment about companies struggling and that sort of thing. And uh, we were um, one of the things I was quite surprised to read last week was how how EA, the the big chief of EA, kind of said they they weren't they didn't make any hit games last year, uh, which is true, I guess, in terms of numbers. I yeah, mean, like you know, FIFA success, did well, yeah. but um, but you know, their big IP like Mirror's Edge and Dead Space and stuff perhaps underperformed a little bit. Um, and so within that concept, I was thinking while I was reading it, I was thinking it scares me a little bit that they may return back to the mm. sort of bad old days of just churning out sequels. Because last year was, Mirror's Edge was, was a failed experiment, but it was a brave experiment. And it was an experiment that, um, okay, it's not made by EA's internal studios, but it's made <coughs> by one of their development studios. And I think it was, 
it was a brave experiment and some people really liked it you know some people even in, in the office with us really liked it we weren't fans of it but I mean it was a brave people experiment people in the office who liked it were people who hadn't played it in fairness yeah people right, sort yeah. of looking over my, your, your shoulder and saying oh wow that looks great and sure enough it does look great it's a, the game is a marketing man's dream I mean it sells itself you run it on a big old, big Sony Bravia mm. game looks just absolutely incredible but hands I mean, on the controller, not so much. But my sort of point was that I, I sort of it made me worry that we're not ever going to get another sort of game like Dead Space from them again. I mean, Dead Space. It's such a shame that Dead Space hasn't been more of a success. Um, I think it will with uh, Resi Five when when that comes out and everyone's like, uh, it's not as good as I hoped. Should try out Dead Space though. I think hopefully mm. if EA can. EA can really ramp up some advertising for that this next month. But or they two. never. That was my point: is that they talk about it not being a hit game, and yet the the advertising for it was. I mean, I don't remember. See, I remember seeing a couple of adverts for it, and both of them were terrible. Um, it didn't really communicate the sort of. Meanwhile, you can't turn, you can't turn on Talksport without mentioning FIFA and Tiger Woods. It, you know? Exactly. You know, I mean, I don't. You know, I just I just think it's a shame that that they didn't market it more heavily. I I think actually they didn't know what a great game they had on their hands. To be honest, I think that they they thought it was pretty solid and they thought it was good, um, but I don't think they knew quite quite how good it was and how critically kind of accepted it would become. And I think hopefully, you know, with uh, with the sequel, the inevitable sequel, will uh, that'll be put right. But I, that sort of leads me on to sort of some other sort of things like we were reading about how Midway are going down the tubes and there's some guy on the in, analyst in America talking about how THQ are sort of 50-50 maybe going into bankruptcy and stuff it's just a kind of a very very difficult time for games and I think that what worries me I think slightly is that because it's such a difficult time the companies will fall back on those sort of same old sequels you know and, and the, the games like Dead Space perhaps won't but at the same the time, we've had a number of developers coming out saying that, you know, times of uh, recession are the times when you should be experimenting, you know? These are times when you should be, you know, threats, you're probably, you know, really pushing the boundaries and trying to do something different because now's the time when people are prepared to spend money on perhaps something they wouldn't have before and, you know, sort of an experience they wouldn't have necessarily been interested in because games are always one of those things which is said to be recession-proof, obviously, as we're, we're proving right now that it's not. But, you know, you get a lot of value from a game, you know, a lot more than you get from a cinema ticket or yeah. a trip to a restaurant. And yeah. because of that, it's a, ch- it's a chance for, you know, people, I'm not saying people are going to buy more games, but certainly people are going to enjoy the games they're getting a lot more. Mm. So now's the time for really, really good games that are really good value for money. I think mm. we're going to see a lot more premium DLC appearing as well. It's starting to happen, like the Prince Persia epilogue, like finishing the game off via DLC that you pay for. Just had lost. That's worrying as well. That's like seriously worrying. I mean, the Prince of Persia one isn't just like you know an extra set of missions to play around with, which you know Ubisoft have hooked you up with. This is like the the ending of the game. You know, essentially, it's like okay, yeah, you know, you finished the game. You thought you finished the game. Guess what? Mm. Now you got to pay to see the ending of the Mm. game. I mean, back in uh, the early days on live, when Luminous came out and they sold it to you for twelve hundred points, and then sold the multiplayer component for an extra six hundred. Like that is that was a straight up scam, and everybody reacted really badly to that, mm. deservedly so, and quite rightly. You can't you can't sell your game in chunks like that. Not those kind of chunks, anyway. And I don't think you can sell it in chunks in, in to say that, oh yeah, you know, here's the here's the last two levels. Maybe if you do an episodic game, well, that's fair enough. But not if not if you're selling it on a disc and then telling people like, two months later that the ending they saw well, not quite the ending. The mm. more stuff. In fact, there's been a lot of DLC I've been playing lately. I've been playing the more. I mean, it's only a hundred points to download. Like um, 
a deleted scene for them all, and that's quite good. But but you go to the level select screen, and it's like in between two levels, and it's classed as a deleted scene. But um, it blatantly isn't. It's blatantly just something that would could mm. easily have been put into that game, but been held over for DLC. Um, Tomb Raider as well, beneath the ashes. Yeah, been playing that DLC. Really, really good DLC. Perhaps the best puzzles out of the whole game. Yeah, um, bit short. On short side, definitely, definitely point. too short, and the, the ending's a little bit flaccid. Although but the ending does set up the the next piece. Yeah, Lara Shadow. Next. Yeah, which is out in uh, just a week's time after people are listening to this. Um, yeah, it's what is some of the best stuff in the game. It's perhaps not quite as good as the incredible um, uh, God. What is it? Thailand level, but. It is a really, really good piece of DLC, but I mean, you got you got to look at the price on it, and it's like eight hundred points. You think for double that, you get the GTA downloadable content, which mm. is probably sixteen hours of, of stuff, yeah. you know. And again, I'm not going to sit here and judge games with with a stopwatch. You can't do that. You can't say a game's good or bad because of how long it lasts, but you can say if it's perhaps good value for money mm. by how much time you're going to get to play with it. Um, I mean, that GTA DLC is unbelievable value for money, really. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true sequel, and yeah. make no mistake. I mean, it's huge. It's set in the same city, but it is without a doubt a full sequel. And you sort of wonder whether that's, that's I mean, whether that's going a one-off or whether that's the way it's going to go, you know, because, I mean, the, doing DLC is obviously going to be cheaper than investing in a, a, a new game from scratch because you've got the existing engine, you've got the... You know, it's a it's a quicker experience, and whether that might be the way, like you say, the way things go over the next year, half, you know, year and a half, you know, people kind of investing in bigger, you know, bigger DLC stuff like the GTA, you know, because I mean, you know, I know GTA is a bit of an exception to the rule because Microsoft paid big, big money for that, yeah. but and so Rockstar had the the funds in place to be able to spend time kind of developing a huge slab of dlc but well, the beauty of you know any kind of downloadable game is is that the revenue is direct should the uh, game stores of which there are two major ones in this country which we won't name because they're essentially pawn shops i mean they they sell second-hand games more than anything and will push second-hand games on you when you're trying to buy a brand new game which i think is just absolutely outrageous and just disgraceful because bear in mind we people always say how bad piracy is and yeah you know what piracy ain't any good it's not any good for anyone except for the person pirating but then neither is buying a second hand game i mean do you think the publisher gets any more money from a pirated game than just from a second hand game or mm. is more from a second hand game as he gets from a pirated game they get nothing either way this it benefits our industry not one jot to have these shops selling Second-hand games, but with downloadable games, every penny's going straight back yeah. to the company. And um, Gabe Newell, unfortunately, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. And it was incredibly interesting. He did a, a, a speech at the Dice Conference, explaining the success of Steam and how if they drop their prices to something like twenty-five percent of the original price, they are still on a profit. Because their sales increased by such an order, so many more orders of magnitude, they make more money than if they had shot it on, you know, on shelves. That's at twenty-five percent of the cost. And he was explaining how he thinks in future consoles will be powered by systems like Steam. I don't think that's so far-fetched. I think the next Xbox in 2012, which is, I think, is a safe estimation of when it's going to be, and it's what we're hearing from people, you know, our sources. In 2012, you're going to have a system where games are going to be sold in much the same way as many games are sold on Steam, where you can buy a copy off the shelf or you can just download it. Mm. Microsoft are already dabbling with this with their originals program, and it's working out quite nicely for them. People picking up games they never would have before. I mean, they're putting some awful shit on there, but they're putting some decent stuff too. And 
if you can incentivize this for gamers and say, well, you know what? You've got Halo 4 coming out on Friday. And you can pick it up off shelves for £45, or you can pick it up as down, you can download it for £40. And you can do what you do on Steam. You can preload it. You actually download the whole game, and it sits on your hard drive. And on the day, on the morning, at midnight, that game will unlock, and you can just sit and play it right there. But you can jump online midnight and play with everyone. And you've spent £5 less. I guarantee you everyone will start jumping on mm. that. I suppose the only worry then is how much of the country is going to be able to download a huge slab of... Well, we are kind of not unique in the world, but certainly unique in, in Europe and you know, the Western world in that broadband in this country sucks. Yeah. We, um, if you look at like, the connections that are on in the Netherlands and so on, it's, mm. uh, the connections we have are just outrageous. And, of course, the download caps are, are, are tiny on many, on many providers. Virgin do an unlimited one, but most don't. Most will cap you at like 30 gig, mm. 40 gig. It's like you know, doing our job. 30 gig is nothing. We, were pull, we, we pull down a gig of screenshots in an evening, you know, when, yeah. we, when you're doing a piece of freelancing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's the, so it's, it's just not viable. But we need to see people step up broadband. But I think in certain, certain parts of the world, definitely people will be going for, you know, will, won't even consider buying a disc ever again. No. And honestly, that's the way I want it. I, want yeah. my, I love Steam. I love having all of my games just sitting there ready to go. If my system dies... If I need to change my system, if I need to format my system, if I just feel like formatting my system, all I've got to do is put my password in on Steam again and all of the games I've bought are just there on my list and I can just re-download them and it'll install them. And I can even use it to back up my saves. I can just My saves are completely portable and it'll, I can move them around from machine to machine. It's a great system and I think, I think it'd be unrealistic for us to believe that the next generation of consoles won't be powered more than anything, buy a terabyte hard drive or something. Yeah, and, um, just, yeah. yeah. I mean, the hard drives are cheap these days. Storage is cheap, and I'm thinking, you know, the 2012 console generation. We're talking a split between downloadable and on disc, and the 2020 console generation. It's going to be download only. Yeah. By that I mean, point. we've seen like Gears of War. Obviously, there was um, when you bought the game, it came with a code to download extra multiplayer maps. That that's kind of their. That's First one of their ways, to, yeah, of, um, of combating the second-hand yeah. sales because, mm. of course, when you buy a game second-hand, you know, you're getting a good deal, but the publishers aren't. So how can they make sure that it's only the first person who ever buys that game yeah. gets the value from it? And the way they've done that is with, you know, by incentivizing it with you know, free download codes and costume packs and so on. And you know, just something they did that with Street Fighter. You could download the costume packs early. They did um, with Lost Planet. It was one of the first attempts with the, the collector's edition of Lost Planet. You got a free map, mm. which you wouldn't otherwise get. Uh, these are great ways of doing it, but they're not good enough. I think not for EA, the publishers, not for developers. I think EA are onto the best trick into some of their games. They're no longer games, they're platforms. Like Rock Band is the most obvious one. You've got the disc Rock Band, but then that's just the beginning. You've got all the songs they release every week. Um, Criterion with Burnout. Yeah, but the Burnout isn't a game, it is a platform upon which they can just keep pushing content. And I think, uh, I think you said the other week, Mike, in the office, that that's what you wanted, or you maybe want the next GTA to be. Yeah. Not just a game. GTA should be a platform. They should do what Criterion have done with Burnout Paradise, release a, a corking game to start off with. But then over the next couple of years, add to that some free content, some premium content. Uh, I think, if anything, Criterion have been overly generous. Like, I, well, I well, don't they, they, they did they... a year's worth of free content, which is exceptional in anyone's book, and then they released a new patch, which you know changed some of the physics and so on, changed uh, changed just the graphical effects in the game, so you could you could see what you were, you know the, where where the billboards and so on were to smash a lot easier. They've um, 
you know, I reviewed the game when it first came out. I've, I've soured on the game quite considerably since, but I think if you can, you absolutely cannot fault the support they've offered for their mm. game. Imagine if GTA did that, though. Like, you turn it on next month and there'll be 20 new cars driving around Liberty City. Or the month after, there'll be, like, a few new missions, a couple of new characters. The thing is, I mean, they may do that later on down the line. I mean, they've got a contractual obligation to Microsoft now to do two huge slabs of DLC. But beyond that, I mean, you know, they're not going to be making GTA V for a for a long time yet, you know. So they may they may do that after, once it opens up and inevitably, you know, there becomes downloadable content on PS3 as well. At the same time, they may do the cars thing and they may do the, you know, the the missions thing, you know, or whatever. I think after the, first, after the second piece of DLC for um, for Xbox, they're just going to cut and run. I think they're just, I think they're just going to dump it, dump it and move on to the next GTA at that point. It won't be GTA Five. it will be just another city. Another stories mm. game. Yeah. Well, no, I think it'll be another city. It'll be like, like um, Vice City or San Andreas. They will, move, they will just move on to a different city. Mm. So it'll still be GTA Four but yeah. by, by their numbering, but it'll be a, a brand new yeah, city. Yeah. I mean, essentially, the, G, the DLC has just been released and the next DLC, those are the Liberty City stories, the PSP style. Yeah. Liberty City stories games where you take a different character and set in a different place. But um, God, oh, I was going to say something um, about you know games as a platform. How much more viable is a game as a platform on the PlayStation Three right now? Because you think Burnout Paradise is a game you can download off of the PlayStation Store and store to your hard drive, and it just sits there mm. forever on your hard drive. So you can be you know just you don't have to take the disc off the shelf. You just bang a button on your dash, and up it pops. So as a platform on the on the PlayStation Network. On the PlayStation Three, it's it's just so much better. I mean, that's the power of downloadable games. Off the PlayStation Network, you can download Endwar, you can download Grawl, you can download a lot of big, you know, full games because Sony have been progressive in supporting that way of getting content. Microsoft need to jump on that bandwagon fast because Sony have, you know, they've really got the ball there. They started with Warhawk, and they've, and they've they're really they're really running with that ball. I think mm. the only um, problem publishers face is that. If you make a bad game, you know that's that's one bad game. Um, if you make a bad, uh, you know, game to set up a platform, that's your next three-year plan. That's true. Just yeah. absolutely mm. shot to bits. Well, so that's why we see a new FIFA every year and why we see a new PES every year because they can't afford to just, uh, you know, uh, hang their hopes for the next three years on mm. a game that might not make it. And we've been saying for a long time now, like FIFA and Madden and Tiger Woods, they need to be platforms from which to launch content, not. Endless revisions. How can it be that I can play Tiger Woods 2008, plow through the game, build up my golfer, buy Tiger Woods 2009, and then not be able to use yeah. my previous save? That's outrageous. That is, that's insane. All of the effort you've put in on a game which is, let's be honest, identical to the new yeah. game, with bar one or two tiny changes. And with Tiger Woods, they got to the point where they've got the game so almost perfect that anything they add is just, you know, it's just fluff. It's just, window, it's just window dressing yeah. anyway. So... Why I can't use my save in the next game is outrageous. They need to at least do that for the next generation of their games. They need to at least make it so saves are transferable from previous games. And they've been doing that with PC games before. I mean, it's not impossible. You just make sure the hooks are there for the future games. I think, like you say, though, as a, a recession-busting tactic, building games as platforms that you constantly feed content into, that's a, a really, really good way of doing it. I mean, it. this is the generation of console patches now. Um, like... Last generation, we never really had that. Not not to any great extent. If the, the game you bought on the disc, that was the game you were having yeah. for life. Now, um, if you stick a game on that you haven't played for two months, 
there'll probably be a patch for yeah. it. And they can change your game so much, like Burnout has changed so much just, just through, apart from the additional content, just through patches, fixing stuff as well. Like, there's no reason why, if, if they have got something wrong in the next FIFA, for example, or whatever, that they can't just patch it two months down the line and then make it the, the game that it should be. Well, they've got the feedback on the forums yeah. to tell them how it needs to be changed. And that, that of course, works because Burnout's a good game and it would work with GTA because GTA's a good game and it would go work with any number of games where you can just feed feed content into. But then, as Matt says, what happens if you do produce a game which doesn't catch on? Something mm. like Tabula... I mean, yeah, we happened very recently with Tabula Rasa, which, of course, is MMO. It's up going up against the likes of World of Warcraft and it just didn't catch on. So they had to shut it down recently and they did a big, you know, a big shutdown event uh, and turn the, turn the servers off. And you don't want to be the developer that's made, for example, Mirror's Edge as a platform, mm. which enters the charts at number 24 and drops from there. Yeah, It's okay if you've got Burnout, which you know, because flies into the top 10, sticks around for a while. But if you've made Mirror's Edge, or God, even Dead Space, mm. you know, there's not going to be enough people constantly mm. buying you know, your 200 points of content, 800 points of content, 600 points of content, uh, to keep feeding your business for a year. I mean, the thing is, is you may you may find with 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 Dead Space is that they 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 inevitably will do a sequel, I think, because it, it didn't do disastrously, but it certainly well, they've already been well. talking about their, their, their <coughs> sequel potential. They said yeah. they they made it as not just a game, but as a world to explore. Well, and the, the, the first step to that is the Wii game. I think it's like eighty nine percent Metacritic average or something. And yeah. they said like you don't make a game regarded you know that. Highly, and just walk away from it. What so. what you may find is that they, it, the publishers increasingly kind of with those sort of things, um, maybe not in the, the time of the recession, but later on down the line, have those kind of games almost in the same way that some like book publishers do, where they have like they have your John Grishams and your Stephen Kings and stuff to bring in the money, and then they have your Ian McEwans or whatever to to as just to say that they've got these games, so that the, critically they've got a high kind of regard out there, you know. But these people don't sell perhaps as many copies as you. And in the same way, FIFA, you know, that may be the way that EA go. They've got these kind of... Because EA, whatever they say, I mean, they made tons and tons of money from um, from their, their sequels and stuff. But EA, are deep down, must be loving the fact that people are critically kind of... that have much more respect for their games now. Because for so long, when you got an EA release, you're like... Here we go. We know exactly what to expect. It's going to be minimal changes, yeah. or it's going to be some licensed tap. You well, know. the shareholders have got to hate this the way these games are playing across the board, kind of done badly. Mm. But in studios, these are games that, without doubt, the people working on them can feel proud of. Yeah, you know, no question, they can they can feel proud of what they're working on, and and that, that's so important for any developer. I mean, we talk to these guys on a daily basis. It's so important for them to. Feel they they've got an outlet for their creativity. You know, these are people who are, you know want to do a creative you know job. They want to be creative for a living, and to have them bang out number seventeen of a franchise. Yeah, it's got to be a real you know a real grind to be the guy who has to sit in an office and say, okay, we've just shipped Madden, 08. We need to what new features can we put in Madden 09? And to just sit there and be like, Phew. it's yeah. like we were saying, it's like you know. What are you going to put in the next Pro Evo game? Are you, you, what it needs is a massive overhaul. Mm. Well, that's the bad what, conversation, what you... but the worst one is like, not too many because we need to save some for the year after. Yeah. It's mm. when you realise that, that it's just an endless cycle. Yeah. But... Talking to Pro Evo, um, I've got to say, my, my love for that game, I'm starting to. <laughs> Here we You're go. Out to our side. Yeah. How the worm turns. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's turned because I, I still have a major, major problem with FIFA. 
in, in a number of ways. But I, I Pez is Pez is fundamentally broken, and uh, and I, I do love it. I I love it like you love the sort of like slightly like it, as if it were a brother that you kind of keep in the attic. <laughs> you don't really like like to show, you know, you sort of love it, but you don't really, you know, you kind of like, you, you love it for its flaws, you love his, you know, your brother's got a bit mental, so, but you still love him kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, he's, he's still your brother. Yeah, that's you, right. you love him because you love him cause he's been there, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. He's given you a lot of good times in the past, but now, these days, you don't take him out in public. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and and Pez, yeah, Pez is, is, I mean, everyone in the office now plays FIFA, even Hoodie, who was, who was, who's been converted. And um, I can kind of, I can kind of see why. I mean, I was playing Matt on Friday. I think we were playing, weren't we? Or was it Thursday? Um, whenever Thursday it was, sometime. Man alive! I mean, the the game just got so many problems. It all really I hear has. when because I, I gave up both games a while ago, and all I hear when you when you guys are playing is Tim shouting on the screen like, "Why? Why would you do that? Why <laughs> punching, don't pass to him? Punching why? the drawers behind? And yeah. you're just you're just like you you're always you're always blaming everything on on the AI. And you know what? Normally I'd be like, oh. Oh. Tim's, Tim's messed up again. <laughs> yeah. He's blaming the AI, but no, but totally it is the AI right. sucks, yeah. and they always do the wrong thing. And you know what game I don't have that problem in? Street Fighter Four. I love that game. That's a, that's a strong game. And yeah, should, you guys, you should play that instead of yeah. PES. Yeah, that, that won't be happening. Okay. But um, but it's, it's true. It's like you do, do you do that a lot more in PES than you do in FIFA. Like you know, yeah. the, the the AI doesn't. A, it's not flawless, make no mistake, but in FIFA, it's kind of... It has its moments, but for the most part, it's reliable. Yeah, it's predictable. Like At the very least, if you can, you can say, okay, well, I won't do this particular move because the AI tends not to make a run at this if, mm. I, if I do that. In pairs, God knows what they're going to do. Yeah, and it does, it does kind of make me... It, it makes me think that, that... I know we've sort of been talking, talking it up for a while, but it does make me think that this year, maybe, if they don't seriously overhaul that game, this year, FIFA is going to be the champ. But yeah. then Pez is a game essentially built around that eight-way run, built around a D-pad control, not an analog control. Mm. And FIFA's very much an analog game. And to overhaul Pez might, may well be to strip it of what makes it quintessentially pro-evolution. But, but we now know that what is pro-evolution no longer cuts it. So no. it's either stay the same and be what I regard as, a, as now as a bad game, or you know run the risk of changing it. But might pay off in the end because if it stays the same then I don't know there's no hope for that series yeah, I can't so it's such it a second string franchise now but I mean when you look at like Konami what have they got yeah no absolutely I mean, they've got, got nothing it's, it's, what, what are well, they, they've what got that um, oh I forgot the, the name escapes me now but it's like their big game for 2000 Lord of is it, no not Lord of War something something like that Lord of Shadows Lord of Shadows is it Something like that. Anyway, um, they announced it like uh, late last year. I mean, there are companies with Silent Hill, which was the last one. Yeah. Flat up average. Pumpy do. Pro yeah. Evo, flat up average. They did Metal Gear Solid. You know what? It's a decent game, but it's not making them any money on the uh, PlayStation 3. And actually, I want to um, go to Metal Gear Solid while well, I'm just on the topic, and this is just a straight up digression. They recently released it on the PlayStation 3 as a platinum, part of the platinum range, you know, the, uh, the, the old bargain basement range, which seems awfully quick to me. It does seem quick, yeah. Awfully quick to do so you could drop the price. And there's only, there's two reasons why you would do that. One is to shift a bunch of copies because you're about to release it on other platforms, PC and Xbox. The other is to shift a bunch of copies because you're about to do a special edition version of the game with loads of extra features and so on, mm. which is what they've done with every mm. other um, Metal Gear Solid. There's Subsistence or something. Yeah, Subsistence, Integral. They've released... Um, it's, oh, God, what was the um, Metal Gear Solid 2 one? 
I forget, but they've done it with all of them essentially. They released a, a pack at a later date. First game had an expansion pack, the later games were like completely separate standalone games. So Konami are about to um, make with the old. Mm. The old uh, VR missions job. on the first one was a bit rubbish. The only reason I bought that thing was to play as a grey fox. Play as a ninja, yeah. No, the VR missions was the best thing about the first uh, Metal Gear Solid. It was, that, that expansion no, pack was great. It was alright, but apart from that, no, I, it didn't hold up to the main game. Okay, it's just it's it's good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna sit and argue that because I know that's completely that's complete gibberish. Yeah, Matt saying words. I don't understand any any of them. It was like all of the good bits from Elgar Solid just stripped out, stripped down. Taking you take all that crap story out, and man alive, Kojima can write a crap story. You take all that crap story out, and then you had a great story. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you what did have a crap story, Mike. Stop you there. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, you watched that over the weekend, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I finally saw it. That that film is a dump. Just dump. It's and I, I want to put it in context here. Like, Raiders of Lost Ark is like one of those films that um, I grew, I grew, um, I watched when I was growing up. And it's just like, along with Robocop and Predator and the first Star Wars, it's just like one of those films that, you know, is like re- really marks out my childhood. And like, the pillars mean, upon which your yeah, life are built. Means you know, I'm tapping my heart here, means a lot to me, you know. So I love Ra- I love Raiders of the Lost Ark like I love my own daughter. And uh, <laughs> I love the other two films as well. I think they're both great, but Raiders of the Lost Ark is, is really good. But the other two are brilliant. So that's the context. King of the Crystal Skull, I wanted it to be good. I heard that it was rubbish, but I went in and I, I watched it with Mrs. Weaver and I said, I want this to be good. I want this to be good. But no. Would you say... It wasn't good. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Not just terrible, actually. Actually, I can't say that word, but something terrible. Would you say it, it was, was as bad as that Ron Burgundy film you watched? <laughs> what, the Lost Anchorman movie? Yeah. I'd say that was better. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has got a terrible script. It's got rubbish set pieces. It's got dreadful acting. Um, it's got no excitement, and it's got the worst ending of the year. That is Tim Weaver's review. It is dreadful. It's weird because the and office I... is kind of split. Uh, uh, I saw it with uh, Rob when it, in the midnight uh, launch. I came back the next day almost crying. That, must, that guys, must have been a galling oh, trip. That was dreadful. I came back to you guys and said, look, don't see this film. This film is an absolute travesty. But then we've got um, Endgame sitting next to us and there's Matt Castle there who, who knows his films. He's seen more films than films. It, yeah, you take, you take into a film quiz. It's disgusting. We had him playing Cena against us. Like normally, the man Weaver owns seen it because he's all over films. Like you know, as you say, you're misspent youth. You spent more time watching films mm. than doing your A levels. It was like you see, you sit castle down yeah, on that thing. That, that guy, that guy's a freak. He's freakzilla when it comes to that. Yeah, but he loves it. Well, he, I don't know whether he loves it, but he's, he, he is a defender of it. Yeah, he's a defender he, of he's it. An I mean, I had a big, I had a big conversation Skull. with him just this morning about how how crushingly disappointed I, I was by it. I think it's just the overall sense that. It's got the stink of George Lucas all over it, for one thing. You know, like, it's got, it's got the, the shambolic script, the, the overblown CGI um, uh, set pieces. And for an Indiana Jones movie, let's just go back to basics here. An Indiana Jones movie should not have a single, single yeah. shot of CGI. And do you know what, Mike? They, they, they nick, well, not nick because it's their own film, but they take all the good set pieces from, you know, like the, the whole... Um, uh, the the two trucks going at, at each other on Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're sort of when he's gone he's sort of chasing the Nazis and he gets mm. into the truck he punches someone out and then yeah 
you know, all that sort of stuff. I think they redid it for Last Crusade as well. They did one that was a bit like that. Anyway, they've nicked that, but not done it as well. And then they nicked the fight from Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's fighting that guy underneath the plane. Mm-hmm. They nicked that, but um, this time, hey, they got a spin on it this time. This time that he's surrounded by giant ants. <laughs> Just like the mummy's scarabs or yeah. the scarab beetles. See, everything I've heard about this film makes it sound more like the mummy. Yeah, it's all su- like I mean, I mean, the films are always based around the supernatural, but you in all of them, essentially, the supernatural elements only came in in the last five yeah, minutes yeah, of the yeah. film. You know, it wasn't until the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark that you had the you know the old angels flying out of the box. That's right. Yeah. It wasn't until the end of uh, the, you know the Last Crusade that anyone was getting their wounds healed by an immortal You're man. Chosen but I think wisely. The, I think the forgivable thing about that is. It was always like had biblical ties. Yeah, it was. Really, this, well, I was going to say it's like religious, basically. This is like friggin' ET comes. Yeah, it? it's like well, the end. Well, spoilers, I and mean, you, you, I don't care. You can tell no, me. No, this, tell, the, tell our this, listeners. This, yeah, this won't be. This won't spoil anything. But the end really is, is harks back to like something like more like close encounters. It's very very sci-fi, and um, it just seemed out of place in in mm. uh, in the film. And I just thought it was, and everything was sort of on half power. You know, like Harrison Ford looked kind of like. He'd only, he'd only sort. Of, he actually looked in pretty good condition, and I think he could. It could have been a. He could have been a sort of central focus of a really good indie film, but instead he's lumbered with this terrible script, and I think it's sort of. I don't know. I was just massively disappointed by it, and it you know it took a good old dump on my memories of the the first three films. You know, so. Speaking of looking weathered, you saw Gran Torino as well recently, didn't you? I did. That's good. Eastwood is a grizzled looking man, but you know what? He looks good with it. My mum and dad saw it, and I said to my uh, I said to my dad, uh, "Old Eastwood's still got it because um, he's uh, he, he, when he says get off my lawn, yeah. he's still got it, hasn't he? Get off my lawn. Yeah, he's still he's still." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's still the man. So, uh, but then at the end of the film, he insists upon singing. Yeah, the, yeah, the, that the is end a bit credit of a, song. Yeah, that's the a wind bit of a blows through my Gran Torino. Yeah, that's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, but I think more films should end with guys singing about what just happened in the film. Yeah, like you could finish, I don't know, Requiem for a Dream. You could have like Jennifer Connelly singing a song about how she did things with a another girl. And did a lot of heroin. Star Wars Holiday Special ends with Carrie Fisher singing Star Wars theme. It's yeah. not a good ending. Schindler's List. Yeah, that. of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. yeah. What do you think of Aronofsky's Robocop? I don't know, it scares me. It scares me too, but if there's anyone I would want doing it, it would be him. He did a job on The Wrestler. That was a good film. Strong film. Anything, anything that, any, like, there's just some, like, we were just talking about some pillars of, of my childhood, and uh, Robocop's one of them, Predator... You know, I said to you the other day, remake. They're thinking of remaking Total Recall. Yeah, they're thinking of remaking. I, an, I hope that doesn't go one, ahead. You know? that doesn't, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, the book that Total Recall is based on is yeah, very yeah. different. So, if you were to do it, you could do it faithful to the book. And, yeah. But it's just as soon as you call a film Total Recall, you have certain expectations of it. Yeah. You expect my name is not Quay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you, you know, you expect uh, you expect Arnold Schwarzenegger drilling through the side of a, a big mole truck, yeah. and then drilling up a man who's got a big mutant arm. Yeah, like that's what I expect. Three three breasted women. Three breasted women, uh, exploding head mask. Yeah. Um, see you at the party, Victor. Yeah. His arms chopped off. Ronnie Cox. I expect I expect all that good stuff. Yeah. And if it hasn't got, I'm gonna be disappointed. Yeah. Robocop, on the other hand, like I think if you're gonna get anyone to do it, get Aronofsky to do it. I mean, it's gonna be a full on body shock stuff. You know, it's gonna be full on horrific body shock stuff. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. 
So do you want to get some questions then, Pella? Hang about. We got a little. We got some. We got some awards to talk about. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, BAFTA awards. Yeah. Yeah. Do I introduce this to? Our well, we uh, we got the BAFTA award nominations uh, announced last week, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we just thought we'd have a quick run through them. So, yeah. Mike. This is it's a funny old list actually because it's the, the BAFTAs from. Well, if you look at the website, I think it says it's you know essentially from the beginning of. 2008 to the end of 2008 but there's games in here which were released well before that games like Mario Galaxy and Call of Duty 4 so maybe I'm just misunderstanding it but you know, I know it seems a little bit anachronistic but still let's not do them all because we've got stuff like best casual game here and BAFTA's yeah. one to watch award let's just do a couple of them then do best game let's do right let's do actually let's get up to let's get up there with a couple of others first let's do Ooh. <laughs> Good noise. Yeah, thanks. Let's do action and adventure. Best action and adventure game. COD 4, Dead Space, Fable 2, Grand Theft Auto 4, Prince of Persia, Tomb Raider Underworld. COD 4 will win that. COD 4 will win. It shouldn't be. GTA, in that, GTA 4 will win that. COD 4 will clean up there. GTA 4 is going to win everything at this, this show. I'd love to see Dead Space get Dead that. Dead Space does not deserve that, even to be in that category, alongside the likes of... GTA and COD 4. I mean, it's a good game, but we said it before, it's a Frankenstein's monster of a game. It's, it's all the good bits taken from elsewhere. I'm surprised, though, that Assassin's Creed's not in there. No, it's way before... Yeah, but it's in you know, lots of other categories. Oh, really? Oh, That's the crazy hell. part. It's like, yeah, I mean, Assassin's Creed came out, I think, in October of 2007. It's all over this list, though. It's there for story and character, for best score... <laughs> Which, yeah, it could win. I mean, it's got a really, it's just the old Jesper Kid soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, BAFTA's well known for being up to date, though. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, Mike, COD 4 will clean up at there. I'm nah. telling you I'm telling you that right Not, now. In any category that goes up against GTA, GTA is going to smash it. No, it won't. It. I'm telling you now. About best game, then. COD 4, Fable 2, as if that's got a chance. Fallout 3, no. Rock Band, Mario Galaxy, and Grand Theft Auto 4. It could, a few good shouts. Yeah, there's a few good shouts. I think, I think, I'm not saying that COD 4 will win best game, but COD 4 will win most awards. Because, and I'll tell you why, it's all to do with sales. That's how I've spoiled the magic of the BAFTAs. It's not, it's not, I don't reckon it's that. The thing is with the voters is they all get taken. I mean, COD 4 is a great GTA game, don't get me wrong. GTA 4 was the fastest selling video game ever It made. was, but I mean, COD 4 sold 10 million copies worldwide. I think COD 4 might get that still. I'd like to yeah, see COD 4 was released, released across that. like 100 million platforms. It was, but DS version. still sold 10 million copies. That's a lot of copies. Oh, there's a blooming gameplay award. What does the gameplay even mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Especially since the category is basically exactly the same as the other. It's got the old GTA 4 and it's got Call of Duty well, 4. Left Dead's in it. Why is Mario Kart Wii in the gameplay category? Yeah, if there's one thing Mario Kart Wii has not got is gameplay, whatever gameplay is. <laughs> sports, FIFA 09, going to win it. Should win it. No problem. But Wii Fit might take it because Wii Fit's in the sports category. Along with Race Driver Grid, Pure, MotorStorm and Football Manager 2009. I think Wii Fit's a good show because of what you said, the sales. Mm. Yeah. That game will not stop selling. It will just absolutely not stop. And, and this is a £70 game. It's two million copies. All you do is friggin' push-ups. Two million copies are sold. And I was chatting to a fellow um, games writer who said, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, it's uh, you know, I've been playing Wii Fit. It's like I'm really, I feel like you know, it's helped me lose weight. You know, I've got into shape." I was like, "Okay, let's say it has. Let's say it has. Let's just for you know, for sake of argument, say yeah, you've lost weight playing Wii Fit. Do you have any idea how much more weight you'd lose if you got yourself on a friggin' treadmill <laughs> and did the, did the same amount of exercise? It was devoted the same amount of time to the treadmill and to the exercise bike and to the rowing machine as you do to Wii Fit." Wii Fit is a game where you stand on a board and balance. 
You don't need a board for that. You can do it for free. It's 70 quid's worth of nothing. It's, uh, I can't believe it's so as many as it has. Street Fighter 4 knocked it off number one spot in recent week. It might hang on for, for another week, but we think we'll be straight back up there. Two, two million copies at 70 quid. 70 quid, that is insane. That's, that's good marketing That's insane, No wonder Nintendo aren't worrying about the re- recession. It's such a horribly limited game. I mean, there's really nothing to it. And there's some good ideas. The board itself is an amazing piece of kit. The board itself is really cool. And there's a few games where you roll a ball around just by shifting your weight and so on, which is a lot of fun. It works really well. Well, Koro Rinpa too uses the balance board, doesn't does it? Does it? Yeah, I think it I does. I don't know. I mean, that's cool. I love Koro Rinpa. It's a great game. I think it'll work brilliantly with the I think the there are um, levels just for the balance board, which are more like monkey ball. I think it would have to and be because of some of the game levels in Koro Rinpa, you'd, you, you would turn, turn, you would turn the remote down. entirely all the way upside down. We, we's crazy, though. I mean, like, Mario Kart sold 1.6 million copies or something as well. And, like, House of the Dead, which is probably the first great game on the Wii for not, quite not a long f- time. Yeah, first for a long time, for sure. Just sunk without trace. No yeah. one bought it. Over Sega are single-handedly trying to save the Wii. Yeah. And no one cares. No. Because everyone would rather buy quiz, uh, freaking Keith, Ch- Keith, Keith Chegwin's yeah. quiz challenge. Yeah. It's um, it's the Nintendo sort of quality is I don't know. I mean, it's valueless, utterly valueless. Yeah. The game. It's a. It's a con- Never before has a console had a higher tat to quality ratio. Yeah. There is so much tat on that console, and the crazy thing is like. I mean, PlayStation 2 had a load of crap games on it. Of course it did. It was a really popular console. The critical thing is on the on the PlayStation 3, the crap wasn't selling. Yeah. It was selling enough money to make a bit. You know, selling enough to make a bit of money for the publishers, but it wasn't in at number one like a bullet. I mean, it was filling like the old stands at Tesco and Asda usually, like Largo Winching stuff for eight pounds. Whereas if you go into one of the major game stores, then. Uh, the top 20 of the Wii, but no, about but 18 of them are... And it's not a game there I recognise, it's, it's all is, just generic crap. But never before has a console sort of penetrated that kind no. of outer shell of casual gamer. I mean, the PS2 had inverted commas casual gamers uh, buying it, but um, the Wii really has like got mums and dads mm. and you know people who ha- have no, had no interest in video games at all. But at the same time, the game attach rate on the Wii is so catastrophically low I mean yeah. people are buying it playing Wii Sports and buying nothing else it's a dust magnet in my place I, I broke I cracked out for Overkill and Overkill was a great great game yeah it was good and uh, we've had Mad World in the office and you guys from Endgame are playing it it's not I didn't br- like it's it not, it's not brilliant it's very it's, it's fun but it's not it's not perhaps not the game everyone's A it hurt my be. eyes and B it was just a succession of um, the kills should have been like more there should have been more sort of tension build up for the kills, you know, like um, oh, because yeah, you could yeah, just, you're, you're just just go and you're, do you're it. You're just hacking through. You basically just pick people up and just sling them. That's right. You just do it. And like for the first ten minutes, you're like, oh, that's funny, and then after a while, you're just like, oh, bloody hell, yeah. I'm sticking this guy on this pole again. There's, there's not a great deal to it, to be no. honest. But it's, it's you know, it looks incredible, and it's sort of it's, it's a direction I prefer Wii games to be going in rather than you know, as I said, Checkers plays friggin' pops. Popsicles. 2000 quiz round challenge actually picking up on that um, before we go to questions picking up on that Chateau uh, Chateau Banton games that um, on the Wii I mean I was saying me and Matt were talking about it um, I don't know if we mentioned it in the last podcast or not talking about how there were um, I'd sort of said about a month and a half two months ago I said they don't seem to get, make the sheer level of chat for X360 anymore there's no because I guess because games cost so much to make on the X, uh, Xbox 360 but Last couple of months. Last couple of months, we have had some real turds in the office, haven't we? <laughs> real <laughs> floaters. Well, we've yeah. had shell shock. We had destroy all humans. We had crash time. We had score international one thousand Baja. Winter sports winter challenge. Sports. 
and I and thought it was more. just I just thought it was one bad month but then we've, in the month we've just had we've had another load of old rubbish as well just a blizzard and, of damp. and the next month it's looking yeah just as uh, just as bleak unfortunately yeah so so yeah the shat does uh, does penetrate even the uh, Xbox 360 it does technical achievement Tim Assassin's Creed Fable 2 Fallout 3 GTA 4 Little Big Planet and Spore Little Big Planet is it a technical achievement? I, I, I don't. I, I don't necessarily think it's a, a technical achievement on the same scale as the other games. But I think my, Matt's right. I think that'll probably win that only that because assassins. Assassins. Only because I think it's such a innovative kind of product. It's a use of an incredible use of the technology. Yeah. That Have I you think tried it'll... to use the editor in that game? <coughs> it is hard as hell. Right. This is an editor they built, like you know, to be used by anyone, and. My God, like, it is, to do anything good, and there are some amazing levels that people have made, I cannot even begin to imagine the time people would have put in to build those levels. It's incredible, but I found myself wanting a mouse and keyboard the whole time. Yeah. The thing is, that is, like, part of the game itself, working it out. Like, it's very easy to approach a little big plan from the viewpoint is that um, the playtime is literally from the start of a level to an end, and the rest of it is just, like, setting you up for the play, whereas I see the whole level editor as half of what the game is like mm. that in itself like just trying to figure it out all the complexities of getting these levers to do that thing and that yeah. button to do this i think that is for for not certainly not for everybody for, but for a lot of people it is an interesting log- is it's like an interesting logic puzzle you're right you know it's like placing the elements in your, and it's a real lesson in game design as well like designing mm. a good level is not easy yeah yeah it really isn't and with those tools it's even harder so you know you want to get you want to make sure you're Essentially, you want to make sure your design process is as streamlined as possible because you don't want to go the wrong way down a path mm. because it's going to take you a long way to get there. Does your mass brain get excited when you see that stuff like that? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, I haven't really dabbled with Little Big Planet as ed- editor um, because I just kind of tell myself I don't really have the time it's to very start to yeah. head into it. Yeah. Like, I love solving like games like Portal and Braid. I, I absolutely love doing that, but I don't know if I quite... They're, quite good enough to create yeah. something that I think I'd find enjoyable I I don't think I've got that would your ultimate game be a game where you just purely spent 30 hours just working out mass puzzles it might be Matt's just got brain training and just set it to the mass puzzle infinite like <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning that, that would be a decent I'll tell you what winter sports when it had that, the uh, maths challenge during the downhill yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a really. That's a, even I thought that mode was kind of cool. You have to go through the gates and add the numbers up that appear on the gates. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was quite. That was all right. I, I thought that was a fun mode. I thought it was interesting. Having the calculator achievement and, on my profile. But that was ripped off of um, Outrun uh, Two Coast to Coast on the Xbox. They uh, they had a mode there where you had to you know do maths as you were driving <laughs> along at high speed. There's nothing. I tell you what. There's nothing I like more than buying a video game and having to do maths in it. That really would uh, re- really would be the ultimate experience oh, yeah. for me. The the teaser trailer for Sega's new project, I forget the name now, but that's got all maths in the teaser trailer. Oh, so really? I'm oh, like, yeah. I, I, I did, see, I did that see that. Is. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Use of audio. and uh, this Dead is, Space. I was going to say, this is the one, the one category, the, the one category Dead Space could win it because the audio in Dead Space is great. Call of Duty 4, Dead Space, Gears 2, GTA 4. It's exactly the same list as they have for best game. I'm telling <laughs> you, get, get Cod, Cod 4 will clean up. No, but it will be audio. audio. I don't think it best will. audio. It's got to be we'll Dead see. Space. Got Cold War's got some great audio, but I don't know who's going to win it this year, but I know who's going to win it next year, and it'll be Empire. That game, the sound is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you, when you get your camera down low and you can hear the musket fire and echoing against the surrounding like hills and so on, absolutely astonishing. The, the sound is what... It's honestly, it's like the biggest step forward they made from Medieval to this one is the sound. 
I mean, graphically, it's on a different league. The actual environments, again, are a different league, but the sound is astonishing. I mean, it really is. So, but yeah, that is a chance. That's, I think if any Dead Space is going to win anything, it will be that one. Cool. Let's have some questions then. Okay, uh, Adam Purnell wants to know um, what our proudest gaming achievements are. He's is probably completing Goldeneye on Double O Agent because Control must be the hardest level in gaming history. Really, you found the Control. Tim's like, even I did that. I do. I completed on Double Agent. Yeah, that's good. That's a strong. Did you piece. unlock all the cheats? Yeah. You did? Yeah, yeah. I used to be good at games once, Mike, back <laughs> in the day, until I lost my reactions. So that's what having a little girl do to you, I guess. That's right. No, I, I did. I, when yeah, when I played, you're permanently sleep deprived. Yeah, that's right. I played Goldeneye for about, I reckon I probably played it for about three solid months, just all day in the office. And then, because obviously at the time it was like the major release and we yeah. just did so much coverage on it. So I probably played all day in the office. And I used to play all evening as well. And I reckon I did that for three solid months. So I got through. I got through. Got through it all. Unlocked all the cheats. Oh, the cheats are brilliant, isn't it? And uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good shout. I was gonna. I was gonna say that. Um, but yeah, yeah, good. Uh, that's good. That was. I like that. But I completed Hitman Two on. Um, um, what was the top one? Silent Assassin. Silent Assassin. Yeah. Uh, on the top mode, yeah, top mode. So those are two. And then I became rubbish at games. <laughs> so Silent Assassin, um, sorry, uh, Hitman 2 was your last great achievement, wasn't it? That was like the, the last, yeah, it probably the was. last sort of tough game you, uh, yeah. you played yeah, through. Yeah, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> but um, that's not to point out. That's the point out. I don't play games anymore. But um, but yeah, Hitman 2 is... You just like, you, you the like your games to be on. a little easier these yeah, days. Yeah, that was So before. do I. I, like, I don't like too I much. I mean, because that was like 20, 18 to 20. Maybe 18 levels. It was a lot of levels was, in that game. Yeah, it was long. way more than Blood Money. It was a yeah. long game. And uh, a couple of them were absolutely off. rock hard. I think like I love the, the last level. Also, last in level. Hitman 2, the AI is a bit more unpredictable than it yeah, is. Because like, you'll walk into an area where you're completely disguised. You'll be walking along and all of a sudden everyone will point at you and go, it's him! Yeah. And then you'll be screwed and you'll, there'll, be, there'll be no real reason why. Because you'll do it again. You'll load the quick save. You'll do it again. And it'll just work uh, fine. That always used to happen on that... Um, that first Russian level, St. Petersburg level, where you had to go and sniper rifle the guy. Oh, that was... Oh, and you had to walk from... The, you had to collect the sniper rifle from the train station. Yeah, and, then and you, you had, had the to walk. sewers, and then you could get in the back of the truck and yeah. go to the opposite building. But if you walked it, if you walked from the train station to the to the house opposite where you set up with the sniper mm. rifle and stuff, you always passed all the, the Cossack guards or whatever it was, and they'd always... They did that thing in um, him. I don't think they did it again after oh. that, but they... They did that thing where their heads almost span 180 <laughs> degrees, and they'd kind of like watch you all the way. And it was really tense. Yeah. I remember, th- I remember feeling like the whole time. A couple of times they said, "You know, it's him, it's him," and then I had to leg it, and then I got the mission failed and stuff for no apparent reason. But... Isn't that a level where if you go to the wrong window, there were like cardboard cutouts of a meeting, and you can shoot like a cutout, and it's not the no, person. I can't remember. I don't think I ever did that. Maybe I should go back and have a look. Oh, Tim's saying he's better than you at games, man. Didn't think it's the wrong window. Uh, I don't have any proud moments playing games. I feel nothing but shame for my shameful hobby. My disgraceful oh, hobby. Excellent. I'm, I'm quite proud of when my... I, when, I look at my, um, my, when I look at my time played in Street Fighter 4, and it says 40 hours, and I only had the game for two weeks, I feel nothing but shame. I'm quite proud of uh, completing Call of Duty 5 on Veteran. That, was a that is a, I, I saw, I've seen some videos of you playing. That, that is some hard game. Because you can use die randomly. There's so many bullets coming towards you so constantly. You, you move, you die. That is some hard shit. That was horrible. That, 
nearly made me tear my hair out and smash things. See, yeah. I know, and that's the thing. I never get to that point in games anymore. I guess the last time I really did that was the N64 days. Oh, yeah. And it was um, Blast Core. Oh, which, yeah. Which I got 100% platinum on. Yeah, yeah. Which is anyone who's played knows that's ridiculously that's hard, hard. yeah. And... I was prepared to go play one level over and over and over. And there was one level where you had to use... The last one I did was the one where you had to use the little jetpack guy to smash down through skyscrapers. And I used that, and you had to get the entire level down to 14 seconds. And the only way to do it, essentially, was to get your muscle memory down flawlessly. Because if you actually were working out where you had to go, you'd use too much time. If you messed one up and missed one, you'd use too much time. So you had to, get your, you had to basically replicate... This exact same actions over and over and over again, just with your thumbs. So that you were you were you were going up, smash, going up, smash, going up, smash. And you had to make sure that each time you were turning the stick just the right amount, so that when you came down, you were coming down on something which was off screen when you were coming down. Yeah. And I remember doing and getting and I must have played that like fifty or sixty times just to get that one last medal. Yeah. Why the hell did I do that? Oh, no, what a crazy, stupid thing to do. I com- I got a uh, I got I completed like three quarters of Hitman contracts on uh, on on the top one, but um, yeah, I haven't completed that. So I guess my complete if we're talking like a hundred percent complete. I suppose it's like uh, Hitman too. Yeah. Um, you guys, Rock Seven, wants to know what new plasmids we'd like to see in Bioshock Two. He'd like to see a Philip K. Dick inspired precognition plasmid to crank up the psychological onslaught. Um, tentacle rape plasmid. <laughs> Giant, giant, giant tentacles all across the room, like Omega Red from X-Men I'd like to see some time thing, kind of like the singularity glove. Yeah. I think that might work, might fit in. I think, well. like, because there is some way of manipulating physics in the world, but I think that'd be cool, like some kind of a big Omega Red, you know, the guy from X-Men with the big tentacles in yeah. his arms. So you wrap guys up and you can smash them around, them around using the yeah. analog stick or something. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. Kind of a bit like the darkness with all the Yeah, the yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Tim's sitting there like, no, don't got any, I haven't got one for that. <laughs> What's a plasmid? Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't got any uh, lift yet. Um, Marvelous G wants to know, having recently got into old LucasArts point and clicks, namely Day of the Tentacle and Monkey Island, what others should he check out? Oh, sort of like tentacles today. Fate of the, Fate, Indiana Jones and Fate of Atlantis. Yeah, definitely. Because that's coming to the Wii. Yeah. Well, it's coming, that's going to be you, a free it's, Yeah, you, bonus, it's, it's coming it? to the Wii and you get a free shit game bundled with it. <laughs> <laughs> you get the new Indiana Jones game. The staff of Summit? Which yeah, the staff of something. And then unlockable on that disc is Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Well, you've got, coming to Xbox Live Arcade, you've got Wallace and Gromit, which is probably going to be all right. Yeah. Uh, you've got Sam and Matt season one and two. And today, the morning we're actually, uh, we're actually recording this. Which will be good. Annoyingly, I only bought season one on the Wii the other week. Brilliant. I, I didn't really like the, the, the Sam and Max games no, at all. No, I can't say I was a massive fan. No, and the, and the new ones, pff, I don't know. But, um, so hot. My... My suggestion would be um, Grim Fandango. That's probably my favourite. I've never played that actually. Yeah, it's a good one. It's really well written, but some of the puzzles are just obtuse as hell. Like you, if you go into it, no, you're probably gonna have to look up a guide. Fate of the is good. Shaking his head like no. Go, going off the LucasArts, I'll tell you another really good um, point and click was um, well, the two actually that uh, was June uh, uh, on the Amiga. Did you ever play that? No, I never played it. That was good. It gets a Blade Runner. And Blade Runner, I never and played Blade that. Runner, I know that's in my, good, in my opinion, Blade Runner is the very peak of the yeah, genre. I mean, the that. absolute very peak. The game's got like twelve different endings. Yeah. Uh, and your your cursor in that game, more than any other, felt like an extension of you in the world. Like you used it as your gun. You used it as your way of you know. Obviously, you used it as your way of interacting with everyone. But to me, there was so much to interact with, so much you could do, 
and you know, you set a second's notice, you could, that, that would be your gun in the world. And that's in, I think Cliffy B's gone on about how you know, your, your gun is the way of touching things in, in the world, it's the mm. way of changing things in the world. And in that game, I really did feel like, you know, when you pulled your gun in that game, it was because some, 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 something had really gone, you yeah. know, something had really happened. And the puzzles were always logical. Yeah. You never felt like, okay, so I've got to get, you know, the cat hair using the hole in the head, the hole yeah. in the shed and some sellotape to make a fake moustache yeah. to fake a passport photo, yeah. which is of a, of a guy who's not got a moustache. And, you know, you, you, you never felt like the puzzles were, you know, those illogical sequence of different bullshit, which you had to essentially just, because, really, you know, it always got to the point in those games where you just ended up randomly combining items to see what would happen. Yeah. And just you go to an object or I'll try the square peg. No, okay, that doesn't work. I'll try the credit card. No, it doesn't work. I'll try, the, that right I'll try with, the pencil. With a runaway the dream and the turtle. Yeah. Um, it, it's just like that in some places. Just mm. like, what the hell do I do? Let's combine everything and see. Another good one I played was uh, KGB on the Amiga. Did you ever play that? No. Oh, that was really good I didn't have an well. Amiga. I had those ZX Spectrum. Uh, I was right, a poor okay. kid. Yeah, that was... Because uh, the KGB, the, the reason I like KGB was because it was slightly different to the kind of point and clicks that were around at that time. Uh, Fate Atlantis came on about 10 discs, I think, for the Amiga. So it was one hell of a job to play it, but it was a brilliant game. But KGB a was a lot smaller, but it was really good, really tight little point and click. So if you can find it somewhere on the naughty internet, then I advise you oh, to uh, download one it. One last one, which is free, um, Beneath the Still Sky. I was Sky. just about to say Beneath the Still oh, Sky. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's really I think that would be yeah. probably the best one, certainly if you um, like the I think it's very likely that will be released on the Wii at some point soon as mm. well, because uh, those guys, the Broken Sword guys, have been releasing one after another after another. Yeah. Oh, um I, I heard this from uh, a friend. I haven't checked the news yet. Has Broken Sword been announced for Xbox Live Arcade? Because I was no, told it was last I week. No, I think so. God, we'll I, have, I can't, we'll imagine, that would, I can't imagine that would play so well with the old stick. Jeez. Because obviously it's been redone for the Wii, but apparently there were, there were rumours about I've it. I've seen the redone version. It's not overly redone. It will say it's got a few little bits added in. Mm. And the bits they've added aren't necessarily great. Oh, we'll have to go check the news, see if we'll take it a look. Yeah, we'll take a look at that and we'll um, go back to you. Blade, yeah, Seven wants Blade Runner. Get Blade, Blade Seven wants to know what comic book superheroes you'd like to see in a Hollywood movie. Oh. You two being they've the comic been, book They've all been done, haven't they? Yeah. Um, anyone worth doing has been done. I mean, anyone who's, who would want to see a Flash movie must be out of their minds. Oh, man. Let's have a few minutes of dead air while we... <laughs> well, I try and think. No more comic book movies, or...? The trouble is, comic book movies are... Uh, since The Dark Knight, comic book movies... They don't, like, really raise the bar. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like... We're kind of spoiled by The Dark Knight. Darkness? We... Can The Darkness be up for some Punisher-style... Yeah, but... I don't know... Preacher is the obvious one. Yeah, yeah. Preacher is 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 one. I mean, that's supposed to have been made into a oh, that was on the HBO cards for, series. Yeah, that was on the cards for a very long time. I think it's just like the controversial. Is that any now. relation to? No, that's no relation to that Punisher one you lent me with the Preacher guy. Well, it's by the same guy, Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis, right? Yeah, and same artist, yeah. Steve Dillon. But it's not like that character who was a, a priest who turned into a man. Oh no, 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 no. Preacher was a as a different a different series. And brilliant. Yeah. Oh, anyone who, anyone who feels like dabbling with comic books, there's your entry point. Yeah, no. And for, and for so for such a long time, I was like, I'm not reading Preacher. I'm not. I don't know. I, I just looked at it. I was like, Nah, it's not. I'm not interested in that. It just looks like, you know, just not for me. And then I picked it up around about issue thirty, and that was it. I was just in. I had to pick up all the early copies of trades. Yeah. It's a great thing. But speaking of the, the old Punisher, oh, yeah, I watched yeah. that Punisher Warzone the other day. Punisher Warzone. Warzone. 
And you know what? That is a strong film. It, uh, actually, yes, let, me, let, me, uh, let me start from scratch on this one. It's not a good film, but it's really, really, really violent. <laughs> like violent on, on a Rambo scale, on a Rambo 4 scale, where the film begins with a guy getting decapitated and his wife by Frank Castle and only gets more violent from there. Yeah. So, like, the beginning of the film, the body count of the first five minutes of this film is higher than the body count of the entire first movie, Sounds which brilliant. the filmmakers have chosen to ignore. I mean, the film really does start from scratch. And the guy playing Frank Castle isn't like, well, Thomas Jane, who I will, whose name I will say with a, a small Don't you like Thomas Jane, then? I like Jane. I'll, I'll say it's it with a small degree of contempt. If you've ever seen Stander, Jane's good in that. I've no doubt Jane Jane's a good actor, but he's he's as much the Punisher as I am. Yeah, the yeah. Punisher should be. Oh, hang on, Mike. The, the Puni- you, you could be the Punisher. The Punisher so. is a is a should be a hulking six foot four Monster gigantic man. monstrous beast of yeah. man. You should see his face and be like, ugh, he's a that is a guy I do not want to know. Thomas Jane looks way too friendly. This guy, the guy they got playing, is a guy from Rome, I believe. Yeah, yeah, is an absolute so. hulk of a man. I mean, I'm not sure how big he is, but they've made him look huge on the screen, and. When he's going around manhandling dudes, snapping necks, throwing guys into you know glass crushers and getting them all grinded up, that you you believe that this guy could do it. When he's like cracking, he breaks his nose and he's cracking it back into position. You believe this is a guy who could do that kind yeah. of thing. This and, is, and for fans of the wire, it's got uh, McNulty as the main villain, which is probably worth because he can camp it up a treat. And he and he does. Right. And it's um it's just is is and it's a, a film that anyone who loves really really. Violent, dumb action movie should watch. Yeah. It's a great flick. Uh, it ain't going to win any Oscars, but it's a great flick. Is it? Is it sort of reminiscent of the sort of eighties kind of? Uh... Yeah, very much. So. It's been in, a bit in, of a... almost in the same way that Rambo yeah. was like. But it's like, whereas Rambo was kind of like, okay, this is uh, if we'd had this technology, this is how violent we would have been in the eighties. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of violence. Right. Um, I, I, I would say they've um, they've bottled a bit on so quite how graphic it is, and it's sort of you know whereas Rambo sort of wallows in the horror of the violence the Punisher movie is more about the joy sheer gay abandon you know, the right, joy yeah. of you know, crazy violence yeah. which uh, is something we, um, we, we frown upon here at Xbox World yeah no we don't like that at, no, all. at all not at all right um, last question in fact we do have a really really good Resi 5 question from Jacques 1144 but we'll address that in a couple of podcasts when people have, um, okay. have the game because he wants to know like, what, if we have the chance what would change okay yeah so uh, we'll let you finish that game and then we'll get stuck in with that. But Dr. Monkey uh, says, name. with Fallout 3 being the massive game that it was, do we think it paves the way for more brilliant old school titles being reimagined? And what would we like to see? I'd like to see EA dish out a new System Shock. A, a good, good System Shock. And I'd a, like to um, see... And I think they could do something with a syndicate license. They can make an FPS oh, with syndicate that syndicate license. Oh, syndicate would be good, license. yeah. I they will do something with a syndicate license. I'd like to see um, 2K Boston do something with XCOM, which is probably what they're doing right oh, now. Oh, right, yeah, you're probably right, actually. I think it's yeah. very likely they're doing something in the XCOM universe. I don't think it would be the, the original strategy game. But you can imagine setting kind of... Using the XCOM hub... HUD rather, you know the kind of overworld thing where mm. you know you pick your missions when a flying saucer would start coming in, and you dispatch your planes to take them on and so yeah. on, and that would crack. It would you'd bring it down, and you would send the squad in to investigate. I can imagine those guys doing something really interesting with that system. I don't think a turn-based strategy game will fly on a console these days, which is a shame because no. I love turn-based strategy, but I just when I just I've been realistic, it just won't work. Um, but 
you could do something with the, with the basic mechanics of that game. You could do something incredible as long as you stay faithful to those mechanics. And you know, those guys, even if they don't stay faithful to the mechanics, even if it just says XCOM on the box, it's still going to be a good game. I mean, they are doing something, aren't they? They're, yeah. They're, he's been quoted as saying they're developing something new. Something so. new, yeah. And we've had um, other guys from within the studio saying you'll be perhaps very surprised by what they're doing next, very yeah. surprised by the direction they're going to take. It's not, you know, it's not what you would expect after a game like Bioshock. Yeah. So those guys doing an, something within the Xbox world, the, the XCOM world, I think that's uh, very much a dream I'm kind of me. quite surprised, just going off topic a little bit, quite surprised that they, they didn't want to keep hold of like, the Bioshock sequel. Well, the guy they've handed it off to is... By far the right man for the job. Yeah, right? absolutely, and I'm sure that it, well, I'm sure that it'll be go- it'll be good. You know, I mean, they've got a lot of the old thief um, uh, team on there and yeah. stuff. You know, which yeah. is which is a good sign. But I'm I'm kind of surprised, just from a purely um, mercenary point of view, really, in, in terms of the finances of it. I mean, they must take royalties from the game, and the, any sequel is bound to ship absolutely boatloads of copies. I think after Bioshock, Ken Levine was essentially able to write his own check and just say, okay, well, now my studio's making this. Yeah, I suppose and, so. And we'd like this much marketing budget, please, and we'd like, you know, and just like, you know, I think all of a sudden, Ken became well, as powerful again as he was during System Shock days, you know? Yeah. All of a sudden, it was... It was you had, you've got one. You've got the most powerful new franchise in the industry. Make no, yeah. make no mistake. Bioshock is the most powerful new brand of this generation. And the thing is, the thing is now is that a lot of companies are trying to trying to deliver their Bioshock. Got Metro twenty thirty three, which definitely tries to be Bioshock. Yeah, um, singularity. singularity, which very much is Activision's attempt. And they're they're actually saying do, it is. They're yeah, actually saying this is our Bioshock. Yeah, to do their Bioshock, and, it, and it's it's not really, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's kind of quite interesting to see what that's done for the industry. In a way, it's good because it gives it gives kind of new. I know you couldn't say that Bioshock was necessary. Well, it was a brand new IP, but I mean, it was kind of closely based on the the sort of System Shock kind of template. But yeah, a lot dumber than System Shock. And, yeah, and in very consolidated. But that's what they would be like the PC gamers would argue. But and I'm a PC gamer, and I would not argue that at all. I wouldn't no. say I wouldn't even use the phrase consolidated. I would, I would say that it was made more accessible. And it made more welcoming because System Shock, man, you throw yourself into that game. XCOM, good lord, that game doesn't have any kind of tutorial whatsoever. And you will get nothing but smashed on the first 10 missions of the game. I forgot how to play it. I went back to it quite recently and I've completely forgotten how to play it. I've been spending a lot of time in Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection, those games back then. Figuring out either I was a like, 10 times better gamer like 10 years ago or... I don't know. It's well, back then, you got your money's worth out of games. You got like two games a year. You, know, yeah. you had to get your money's worth out of it. And like, I sat down with XCOM, and I for- completely forgot that on those first ten missions, you're supposed to get killed. Mm. The game beats you to death for the first two hours of the game, and only then, once you got, once you once you died, sacrificed dozens of guys in order to acquire alien technology, and you actually got a weapon which can pierce their armor. Only then do you start having any advantage right. whatsoever. It's you could not do that these days. You could, and even System Shock, you could not make System Shock right now. No. Not and put, not and not run it on a PC, Xbox, and 360. The only um, and uh, PlayStation 3 rather. The only game that's even vaguely close to being as complicated as that on any platform right now is Stalker, yeah. on PC. And even that, like a lot of PC gamers are turned off by the complexity. So don't tell me anything's been kind of consolified PC gamers. I'm as much a PC gamer as anyone. I think Bioshock is just a great, great game. And Bioshock also is, uh, you know, it proves that you can make, in quote, inverted commas, smart games yeah. for a console audience. Yeah. And you know, essentially, at its core, it's a very, it's just a straight, it's a, it's a shooter with guys, a guy who can chuck lightning bolts. But mm. 
God, I mean, look how look at that world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the world's what makes it. Really. I mean, in a, in a, on a console where everyone's just it's just you know it's just nothing but generic space marines shooting yeah. aliens. Well, there's proof that it's not, and there's proof that people will buy it. And if it's good, quite literally, yeah, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. And everybody did in, in their droves. Yeah. It also helped that it was released in the middle of the biggest gaming drought I've ever seen. Yeah. So, yeah, there we are. That's, uh, that's uh, the, uh, the podcast for another week. We hope you've enjoyed it. I uh, hope you've enjoyed us rambling on. And uh, we'll, um, if you've got any questions, then um, either send them to xbw at futurenet.co.uk or post them on the forum. Um, and we you can ask questions through Twitter as well now. Yep. Subscribe to Twitter. Sign up to our, um, our, our Twitter feed and we will be paying attention to any replies we get. Twitter.com forward slash Xbox World 360. Uh, so yeah, do do keep up to date with us. If you're not following us on Twitter, then you should be because it's really, really funny every single day. Loads and loads of great laughs. Yeah, it's so. essentially just updates straight from the office what's going on right now. So um, so yeah, sign up. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll uh, we'll speak to you soon. See ya. Bye bye.